All right, hey, we're back in the book of Acts. Get your Bible or, or your phone or whatever. And let's look this morning in the book of Acts, uh, chapter number 6. We're in the book of Acts, chapter number 6. And we're going to begin reading with verse 8. We're going to read down through and include verse 15. Acts, chapter number 6 and verse number 8. It says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Then there arose some from what is called the synagogue of the freedmen, Cyrenians, uh, Alexandrians, and those from Cilicia and Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Then they secretly induced men to say, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him, seized him, and brought him to the council. They also set up false witnesses who said, This man does not cease to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. And all who sat in the council, looking steadfastly at him, saw his face as the face of an angel. Father, we thank you for your incredible and your infallible word. God, I pray again today that the anointing, Lord, will rest upon the message and upon the messenger, Lord, today. God, give us ears upon our heart to hear the word. God, again, may we not just be hearers of your word, but may we be doers of your word. All for the glory of God, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be reseated This morning. Well, today we are going to continue our sermon series that I'm calling Take Action. What we are doing, we are taking a journey through the book of Acts. See, the book of Acts is an action packed book. And let me just get you caught up. Those of you that are new to the Grace Place, or those of you that are not, let me remind you, or maybe you missed a, a Sunday or two. And so let me just uh, put a little recap on where we're at today. So, so, so far we have seen Jesus ascend back into heaven. And then we have seen the Holy Spirit descend from heaven and baptize 120 in an upper room where they were praying. We have witnessed the birth of the early church and we have watched the early church literally explode in growth. We have seen the church began to organize by appointing deacons to assist the pastors. Opposition to the church and and their message of hope through Jesus and the cross becomes huge. And in today's scripture, a deacon named Stephen is violently and relentlessly opposed. And so that's where we are and where we uh, will start from this morning. So I want us to take a look at his story, the story of Stephen, uh, one of the first deacons of the early church, and see what we can learn from him and from all that happened in his life. Now, we've already read verses 8 through 15 of chapter 6, but we are going to cover all of chapter 7 as well this morning. Now, don't freak out. We're going to do this in 35 minutes or less. 
By the way, did you not have a time clock while I was gone, Sean? We're going to do that in 35 minutes or less, and the clock is ticking. All right, there are four things that I would like to call your attention to in this scripture and the scriptures that we're going to refer to this morning. The first thing that I see here is I see the man. I see the man. Who is this man named Stephen, and what is so special about him? Well, I've already stated that Stephen was one of the original seven deacons. Men chosen from among the congregation of the early church, chosen to assist the pastor, and especially in the area of caring for the physical needs of the church. Have I said lately how much I love and appreciate true biblical deacons? Amen? Amen. Don't you appreciate true, genuine Bible deacons? Now, there are two things about this man, Stephen, that stand out to me in this passage. Two things that I believe every deacon or even every leader in the church should possess. And the first one is he was filled with faith. Stephen was filled with With faith. Verse number 8 says, Stephen, a man full of faith and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. So Stephen was a man filled with faith. He believed that God could do anything, and God used his faith to do unbelievable, incredible miracles. Listen to me this morning, people. Our faith is being tested today. Our faith is being tested today. Today. There's so much violence, there's so much hatred, there's so much bloodshed. But listen to me this morning, listen to what I have to say this morning. Instead of looking to government, instead of looking to politics, instead of looking to protest, instead of looking to riots to solve our problems, my question this morning is, where are the Stevens of our day? Where are the Stevens of our day? Where are the men of faith, men and women who are not afraid to stand up for what is right? Now hear me clear this morning. When I'm talking about standing up for what is right, I'm not talking about blasting everybody on Facebook uh, that doesn't think like you do. It's not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm I'm not talking about creating more problems through violent protests. It's not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about true men and women of faith who flesh out their faith through their everyday lives. I'm talking about people of faith who have enough faith to pray. Now, some of you are not going to agree with me this morning. Well, that's all right if you don't agree with me. Maybe you'll get your nose in the book and find out I'm really right. But read the Bible. Let me tell you this morning that what is going on in our world today is nothing new. Pastor, have you not been listening to the news? Yes. And I'm going to tell you that what is going on in our world today is nothing new. It has been going on since Cain killed his brother Abel. War and strife and wickedness and violence and prejudice and hatred has had its ebb and flow for 6,000 years. And hear me this morning, if you do read your Bible, you should know that the only hope in times like these is prayer. 
Because only God can change a nation. And only God can change our world. And only God can change the hearts of man. And the only thing that God responds to is prayer. Someone said God does absolutely nothing but in response to somebody's prayer. I'll never forget when I was sitting in the living room of of a prospective member in Midland, Texas when I went there uh, 25 years ago to, to plant a church. And I was sitting in their living room and this lady, her name was Linda. And Linda said to me, Pastor Benson, do you know why you are here? Do you know why you are in Midland, Texas? I said, tell me why I'm in Midland, Texas. She said, you are here in Midland, Texas because me and my husband have prayed for you for three years. For three years, she said, we have begged God to send somebody to start another Assemblies of God church in Midland, Texas. You are here today in response to our prayers. Listen, God does nothing but in response to the prayer of God's people. Listen, the answer today is not in politics. The answer today is not who we choose for the President of the United States. Amen. The answer today will not come from man. The answer will only come from God. And God will only give us the answer if we pray. Where are the Stevens of our day? Where are the men that are filled with faith? Let me ask you this morning, do we have enough faith to pray? Do we have enough faith to believe? Do we have enough faith to obey God's word? But not only was Stephen filled with faith, he was flowing with wisdom. Flowing with wisdom. Verse number 10 says, no one could withstand the wisdom by which he spoke. I tell you, the older I get, the more value I place on wisdom. Let me talk to you a little bit this morning. Charisma can take you to some incredible places. Might even get you the presidency of the United States. Charisma can take you to incredible places, but only wisdom can keep you there. Knowledge can open many doors for you. But only wisdom will sustain you once you walk through those doors. See, here's what you need to understand this morning. Knowledge tells you what to say. It gives you the information so that you know what to say. Knowledge tells you what to say. Wisdom tells you when, where, and why. You should or should not say it. Let me tell you this morning, this is my heart. Wisdom can never be overrated. It is absolutely impossible to overvalue wisdom. Proverbs 24 and 5 says, The wise are mightier than the strong. And verse number 14 says, wisdom is sweet to your soul. If you find it, you will have a bright future and your hopes will not be cut short. Do you want to be successful in life? Do you want your future to be bright? Then let me tell you, according to the Word of God, the thing that you need to do to guarantee success in your life and guarantee a great uh, future for your life and for your family is to get a hold of wisdom. We're talking about the man right now. 
God, give us more men and women like Stephen, filled with faith and flowing with wisdom. Notice, notice the second thing that I see in our scripture for today, and that is I see the maliciousness. The maliciousness. And it's up there to help you spell it for your fill in the blank. We find this in verses 11 through 15. Notice first the accusation. The accusation is found in verse number 11. It says, they persecuted some, or excuse me, they persuaded some men to lie. Say lie. lie. They persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, we heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. Let me ask you this question this morning. Have you ever been lied about? Have you ever been misquoted? You ever had your words taken out of context? We all have. We all have. And let me tell you that that's not what bothers me. Uh, To be lied about, that's not what bothers me. At least it's not what bothers me the most. What bothers me the most is when people believe the lie or the exaggeration. It's not that I'm upset that somebody lied about me. Yeah, I'm upset about that, but I'm even more upset about people that ought to know me and ought to know better will listen to the lie. People who should know me better. People who should be considering the source of where this is coming from. Someone lied on me one time. One time, I'm just talking about one instance now. But someone lied about me and something that said that I said. And I went to one of my deacons. And, you know, I'm pretty upset about it. And I was just a young pastor. And I want to set everything straight. And I talked to him about it. And he was an older guy. And I was a younger guy. And he gave me some of his wisdom. He said, Pastor, we know her and we know you. Don't worry about it. Thank God for godly deacons. Never forget several years ago, an individual in the church in another church, not this church, but another church we were pastoring, came to me one day and said, your wife said thus and so. I said, no, she didn't. Yes, she did. I said, no, she didn't. Pastor? You weren't there. So how do you know my wa- your wife didn't say that? I said, because I know my wife. And what you're telling me my wife said, I know my wife didn't say. Because I know my wife, and I know she wouldn't say it. And I know my wife, and that doesn't fit within her character. Doesn't fit within the makeup of who she is. So, no, she didn't say it. And I asked my wife, did you say this and so? She said, no. I said, I know you didn't. This illustration leads us into the second thing under maliciousness, and that is the alliance. And you find this in verses 11 through 13. The Bible says, they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen and the Bible says, and this roused the, the, this roused the people. <laughs> Here's what I've learned. It doesn't take much to rouse some people. Doesn't even have to be true. Because some people thrive on controversy. I'm back. <laughs> I bet Sean was really sweet while I was gone. Amen. 
to ask you this this morning. How many times has the church, I'm not talking about our church, I'm just talking about the church as a whole. How many times has the church had egg on its face because it formed a petition against something that didn't even exist? Hear me, church. Listen, this is good right here. All right, this is worth the cost of admission. Amen. If we would put as much energy into preaching and promoting truth as we do as at protesting error. If we would promote what we are for as much as we protest what we're against. If we would form an alliance under what needs to be promoted as much as we do uh, an alliance to protest what we think is wrong. Listen, the Bible said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You won't find me up here all the time preaching against this and that and something else and, you know, taking the latest thing and limb blasting it. Listen, I think that we can overcome wrong with right. Amen. I believe that we can overcome error with truth. Amen. My Bible didn't tell me that I'm supposed to preach against uh, a preach against error but it is tell, tells me I'm supposed to preach the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth and Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free I want you to notice how Stephen handled the maliciousness we we find that it's in the, the third thing I want to talk about that and, and that is he handled it with the message say the message We find Stephen's message in chapter 7, verses 1 through 53. We're not going to read it for sake of time, but there are two things that I want to point out in the message that Stephen spoke. The first thing I want us to see is that he reminded them of their history. He reminded them of their history. He reminded them that time and time and time again, the Jews had rejected God's message and even God's messengers. I mean, no man has always preferred his own way over God's way. But not only did Stephen remind them of their history, but also he rebuked them for their resistance. And we see this in verses 51 through 53. I'm going to go ahead and read that. Uh, verses 51 through 53 of chapter number 7 uh, of the book of Acts. And for those of you who think I'm a little bit harsh or abrupt or whatever, listen to Stephen. He says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. I've never started a sermon like that. You always, we're not supposed to use the word always, but he does. You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. He asked him the question, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. I don't know this morning, but perhaps you're here today and and you're just like these people were. 
You have heard the message of Jesus time and time and time and time again. The Holy Spirit has tugged at your heart over and over and over again. But continually you have quenched the Holy Spirit. And over and over you have rejected the message of Christ. I believe that today the Holy Spirit gently tugs on your heart. I believe that today Jesus softly whispers to you, come to me. Jesus says to you this morning, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And I believe that Jesus would say to you today, I love you so much that I died for you. I love you so much that I paid the price on the cross for your salvation. I believe that Jesus would say to you today, won't you come to me? Will you not commit yourself to me? Will you not consecrate your life? to me today. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to these questions at the end of this message. All right, let's look at the fourth and final thing I see in the passage. Say final. Got there pretty quick, didn't we? Going to stay there a while. Let's look at the martyring. The martyring. Stephen's message was rejected and he was martyred. Let's read about it. Verses 54 through 60 of Acts chapter 7. I'm going to read that. When they'd heard these things, when they'd heard the message of Stephen, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Four things that I see in these few verses this morning. The first thing I see is the rage. The rage, verse number 54 says that they were infuriated by Stephen and they shook their fists at him in rage. See, most people can't handle the truth. People like it when I preach hard as long as I don't preach hard at them. The old timers used to tell me, I love it when you name sin, but I found out when I named theirs they weren't so happy. The Bible says we can't walk with God and run with the world at the same time. The Bible says that if we make friends with the world, that we lose our friendship with God. Write this down this morning. God has not called us to be popular. He's called us to be pure. 
called us to be pure. He wants us to be pure in our thinking. He wants us to be pure in our relationships. He wants us to be pure in our actions. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 12 says, Everyone who lives a godly life will be persecuted. I'm telling you that if you live according to, to the Word of God, if you live your life in line with, with the Word of God, let me tell you that not everybody's going to like it. Not everybody's going to line up behind you and whistle, amen, behind you and, and dance in, in, in your parade. Listen, everyone, the Bible says, everyone that lives a godly life, everyone that stands for godliness and purity and holiness, amen, everyone who lives godly is going to suffer persecution. And we all know that persecution has already started and it has already been pointed toward the church and it's already been pointed toward those that stand for the principles of the Word of God. And listen, not everybody's handling it very well. In fact, some churches and in fact even some denominations, entire denominations, many churches are already backing down from from their stand on things like homosexuality and same-sex marriage and other sins that God's Word clearly forbids in order to get more members in order not to lose some members there are some pastors that are watering down the gospel there are some pastors that will not say anything negative from their pulpit there are some pastors that will only preach the ooey and the gooey listen 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 there's going to become come a time when we're going to have to draw the line in the sand amen and decide whose side we're on The rage of the world is real and it will only increase the closer we get to the Lord's return. I predict the separation of the sheep from the goats has already began. Listen, many will leave the church in the next few years because they will not be able to stand up to the persecution that is coming. But let me tell you, on the other side of that, others will be drawn into the church as they realize that Jesus is the answer and He's the only hope for our world. The Bible says in the last days there will be a great falling away. There will be a lot of people that will not be able to stand the rage. A lot of people that will not be able to stand against the persecution. And many will leave the church. The Bible said in the last days there will be a great falling away. But it also says in the last days, says God, I'm going to pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Let me tell you, there's going to be a falling away, but there's also going to become a revival. And in time revival, God is going to raise up a church. And God's going to do things he's not done in years. Amen. I want to be a part of that. I don't know where you want to be. But that's where I want to be. Not only do I see the rage, the next thing I see here is the radiance. Verse 55 said, But Stephen looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Oh, how I love this verse. I love this verse. Notice, first of all, that Stephen didn't look around. Didn't say that he looked around. Didn't say that he looked around at his circumstances. No, no, no. No. Notice he didn't look at his accusers. Instead, he chose to look up to heaven. Hear me, hear me people, hear me, hear me. Our answer cannot be found with anyone in this world. Republican, Democrat, Independent, listen to me, listen to me. Our answer cannot be found with anyone in this world. Our answer can only come from another world. Our help can't come from man. Our help can only come from God. 
He didn't look at his circumstances. He didn't look at his situation. He didn't look at his accusers. Instead, he, he fastened his eyes upward and he looked up to heaven. And notice when Stephen looked up into heaven, God gave him just a glimpse of his glory. Oh, hear me this morning, friends, when we're going through our deepest valley, when we are facing our hardest trial, oh, oh, if we can just get a glimpse of God's glory, if we will look up and not around, just a glimpse, just a glimpse, that's all it will take, just a glimpse of God's glory will overshadow any and every earthly thing that was designed to bring us down. I want to suggest to you that Stephen's worst day was also his best day. Because on his worst day, he got a glimpse of God's glory. Joseph knew a little bit about that. When he said to his brothers, you meant this for evil, but God meant it. For good. And may I tell you this morning that God can take your worst day and he can turn it into your best day. And may I tell you that on your worst day, if only you will look up instead of looking around. If only you will look up to heaven. I believe that God will give you just a glimpse of his glory. And if you can get just a glimpse of the glory of God, it won't matter what you're going through. It won't matter what you're faced with. It won't matter what's going on in the world today. You will be able to sustain. You'll be able to make it. You'll be able to thrive. Amen. In the midst of all that is happening in your world. But it will not happen if you constantly look around and constantly look at the adversity. Instead, if you can gaze up into heaven, you can lift lift your head and lift your eyes. Amen. And take a glimpse of Jesus and get just a glimpse of God's glory. That's what we need to sustain us today. Third thing that I see here is I see the reception. We find the reception in verse number 56. Stephen says here, look, I see heaven open. And I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. This is significant. See, the Bible says that Jesus sits at the right hand of the throne of God. But here Stephen says he sees Jesus, but he doesn't see Jesus sitting at the right hand of the throne of God, but he sees Jesus, but he says that he sees Jesus standing. You see, before the rocks started pounding away on Stephen's body, he looks up into heaven and God pulls back the veil so Stephen can see what no mortal man can see. Stephen looks beyond the natural world and he looks into the supernatural world. He gets a peek into the throne room of God and he sees Jesus. But Jesus isn't sitting, but Jesus is standing. I don't know how it was. I don't know for sure. But perhaps, perhaps when Stephen looks up into heaven and he sees Jesus standing, maybe he sees Jesus with his arms outstretched, welcoming, uh, welcoming Stephen. Oh, maybe so, maybe so. But maybe he looks up and he sees Jesus and Jesus is clapping because Jesus is cheering him on. And Jesus is saying, you can do this, Stephen. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to walk with you through it. And maybe he's seen Jesus clapping, cheering him on. Do you not understand the Bible says 
God is for us. Do you not know the Bible says that if God be for us, who can be against us? They can literally be stoning you with stones. And you can look up, get a glimpse of God's glory, see Jesus standing, welcoming and cheering you on. In our hardest trials, in our weakest moments, in our most vulnerable and discouraging times, if we will only look up to heaven, don't look around, look up. The answer is not to be found around you, but above you. The last thing I see is the release, and the release is found in verses 57 through 60. The stoning of Stephen was a very violent act. But Stephen seems to be very peaceful throughout the process. In fact, it doesn't appear that Stephen even put up a fight. It doesn't appear that he struggled. He has no animosity toward those that are stoning him with stones. He looks up to heaven, gets a glimpse of God's glory, which gives him grace to forgive his attackers and to ask God to release them from the consequences of their actions. Only God can help you do this. Get the worship team back in place very quickly and very quietly this morning. Takeaway today is, number one, we need more Stevens today. We need more Stevens today, full of faith, flowing with wisdom. Take away today, if we don't stand for something, we will fall for anything. And write this in as a takeaway for today. I didn't have it in my notes, but here it is. Promote truth. Don't just protest error. Promote truth. Don't just protest error. You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free.